Good morning, Fullerton. Here are your headlines for the first week of May 2022. Number one, volunteers turn out for the citywide serve day. Around 1,900 local volunteers turned out for the ninth annual Love Fullerton citywide serve day on Saturday, April 23rd. Volunteers from various local organizations gathered in the morning at the Fulton College Quad before fanning out across the city to do a number of service projects, including beautifying schools, installing drought-resistant landscaping, cleaning up parks and trails, sprucing up neighborhoods, and helping residents in need. Jay Williams, executive director of OC United, the local nonprofit that organizes Love Fullerton, said, We gather churches, businesses, service organizations, scouts, schools, colleges, and residents all coming together for the common good of wanting to see our city thrive. The goal of Love Fullerton is to meet needs, spread kindness, and impact lives that we have been doing this for nine years now. The beautiful thing about Love Fullerton is that it's not just about a day. It's about making a difference all year long. Next year's event will be April 22, 2023. To learn more, visit www.ocunited.org. That is www.ocunited.org. Number two, new law gives public a say on police military equipment. A new state law, Assembly Bill 481, aims to give city council and the public more insight and participation in whether or not and how police departments obtain and use military equipment. The law requires every law enforcement agency in the state to adopt a military equipment policy and to have their governing body, the City Council, approve the policy which includes a detailed inventory of each department's military equipment, an explanation of the purpose and cost of the equipment. The law also allows the public to give input on their police department's policy and use of military equipment. A full inventory of Fulton's military equipment is available to the public online or by emailing militaryequipment at fultonpd.org or by calling 714-738-2885. That's by emailing m-i-l-i-t-a-r-y-e-q-u-i-p-m-e-n-t at f-u-l-l-e-r-t-o-n-p-d.org or by calling 714-738-2885. This is also the venue through which members of the public may comment on or ask questions about FPD's military equipment. Number three, Muslims celebrate Ramadan in Fullerton. You may have read about Easter, Passover, and Ramadan converging on the same day on April 17 for the first time in 30 years. While the former two holidays are well known within our community, the latter may be unfamiliar to many. So, what is Ramadan? Ramadan is a period of 29 to 30 days, depending on the lunar calculations, in which Muslims fast from dawn to sunset. Giving up mainly food and water, Muslims focus on prayers, recitation of the Quran, charity, good deeds, and connecting with their community. To celebrate the end of this month, Muslims celebrate Eid al-Fitr. What is Eid al-Fitr? President of the Islamic Center of Fulton's board, Muhammad Raghib, explained that in Arabic, Eid al-Fitr literally translates to Festival of the Breaking Fast. He added, Eid al-Fitr is the first of the two Eids, second being Eid al-Adha, two months and ten days after the first Eid, that we celebrate, wearing new clothes, decorating our houses, and doing extra prayers. We do these extra prayers in the morning of Eid to thank God for the opportunity given to us to celebrate. Meals are shared and kids get money so they can buy themselves gifts. Different cultures have minor different but mostly they are the same activities. Eid al-Fitr is celebrated for three days, although the first is the mo- most important. This year, Eid al-Fitr is on May 2 on Monday. Number 4. Results of Richmond Community Survey 
Volunteers from the Center for Healthy Neighborhoods at Richmond Park recently conducted a survey of 263 neighbors with the goal of gathering data about their concerns. Some surprising results of the survey include 83% of the Richmond community does not feel safe. Approximately 30% have seen or experienced some type of auto, home, or garage theft. 48% have seen or experienced crimes related to gang activity. Many residents do not report crime because of fear of retaliation, language barriers, lack of understanding of the process of reporting, or they don't trust that the police will respond. On May 4th, from 5 to 7 p.m. at Richmond Elementary School located on 700 South Richmond Avenue, Fullerton, the Center for Healthy Neighborhoods will host a community forum on the results of the survey. To listen to an interview with the Richmond community leader, Eglit Nancy, listen to the latest episode of this podcast. The video interview is also available on YouTube. Number 5. Fulton School District Promotes Family Book Clubs Funded by a grant from the Kotzen Foundation for the Art of Teaching, Emily McDougall, District Program Coordinator for Educational Services, is offering Fulton School District families the know-how and materials they need to join together in reading and to launch powerful family discussions. When parents read and discuss a book together with their children, McDougall said, parents help kids to diversify their book choices, develop their conversational skills, rediscover the joy of reading, and maybe even strengthen their relationships with their siblings and parents. Families wishing to participate in the program can reach out to McDougall at emily underscore McDougall at myfsd.org or follow them on Instagram at fsdreads. A follow-up Zoom for families participating in this initial round of book clubs will be held on Tuesday, May 24. That is it for this week's headlines. Next, we have an interview and a walking tour of the Fulton Museum Center with Elvia Rubalcava, director of the Fulton Museum Center. Elvia is a writer and filmmaker who became director of the FMC in the last couple of years after some difficult times during the pandemic with regards to city funding and laying off of part-time employees. Despite this, they have been doing some cool shows and events keeping the arts alive in Fullerton. The video walking tour is available on YouTube, so be sure to check it out. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hello. Welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Come on in, Sharp. What's up? So, tell me a little bit about your role at the director at the Fulton Museum Center. What does it entail? It entails everything. <laughs> um, it entails um, looking over, supervising, finding curators, guest curators, since we don't have a full-time one anymore, um, to help. Um, put together shows. For the for this show on Jose Guadalupe Posada, we went with Consuelo G. Flores, who's an artist, filmmaker, and writer from East Los Angeles. Um, she did a wonderful job working with our team um, and I bringing this show together. So it's supervising staff, it's um, helping to make sure that we keep our doors open by finding sponsors and grants, writing grants, um, supervising those grants once we receive them, um, working in collaboration with our board. We have a wonderful board of trustees um, and volunteers. Um, we have partnerships with Fullerton College. Several of the students have helped the past three exhibits since reopening in late July of putting this show together. So that's been a, a huge help um, and then also working with the city on how um, we can better um, be in collaboration and, and do what's best for the community and the city of Fullerton. 
Well, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. work. <laughs> <laughs> and social media and all, all sorts of other things. Right. Let me add a little bit of more work for you. So yeah. can you show us around a little bit of the exhibit? Tell us a sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jose Guadalupe Posada was a Mexican um, printmaker. Um, and he died over 100 years ago. But his work is still really important and um, inspires so many generations, not just of Chicano Latinos, um, the public, like several artists, and we'll, you'll see it in the legacy of Jose Guadalupe Posada, um, the Grateful Dead, and um, other artists who have been um, really inspired by him. This is a photo of Posada and his son, and this is the publisher, Antonio Vanegas Arroyo, who helped him get his work um, out there. So a lot of it, it's all printmaking, and he mostly worked in um, with black ink, but our show is broken up to all the different parts um, that he did, and we have a wonderful um, audio tour that is narrated by um, Gabriel Romero, who's a voice actor and a wonderful actor. So that QR code is at our front desk when people check in, and they can listen to um, all the wonderful descriptions about these works. It's a huge show. We have over 50 pieces um, in our gallery. But again, these are the little chapbooks, libritos. He did religious figures. Um, when we opened the show, or we opened the boxes of the show, we got really emotional, because I never thought that we'd be able to see his work in real life. I mean, these are his original plaques, blocks that he carved out. He made over 20,000 of them. And this is all metal, so I can imagine how, like I have arthritis, I can imagine how his hands were. Um, and it's a really neat exhibit for students to see, for the public to see. We've had over 800 students from Fullerton um, and elsewhere see the show. And this is always an eye grabber. So let me ask you a personal question too. How long have you been working at FMC? So I've, um, as a director, since the end of July, or since the middle of July, um, but before that I was the um, operations coordinator, so I handled all anything to do with the building, I ran the beer garden, I ran the gift shop, I handled all the finances for the nonprofit and with the city, um, and then the pandemic hit, and then um, the city decided to um, stop funding the museum. And so unfortunately, I was laid off along with the curator um, at the time. And so the nonprofit decided to continue on with the museum and then they brought me on in the middle of July, two weeks before we opened our beer garden and our first exhibit, which was um, Green Book. Yeah. So before then, I worked for the museum for seven years, so about not counting the pandemic, about eight years, eight and a half years. Wow, so in total about a decade. Yeah, almost. And I worked beforehand with the city of Fullerton for um, 18 years. So I've been, even though I didn't grow up here, Fullerton does feel like my second hometown. So I've been here for about 21 years. And I, I, I came into Fullerton with the Orange County Human Relations. I was a community leadership specialist. So I would train um, grassroots organizers in the Richmond area in the Gilbert and Garnett area on how to speak up for themselves to make sure that they're um, a part of the decisions that the city was making. And then, unfortunately, 9-11 hit and I was laid off. I, I have a wonderful story. <laughs> but the, 
um, department head at the time, Pat Trotter, invited me to be a consultant. And so I worked with the teen program as a teen director um, with the neighborhood centers um, all around the city, again, continuing to doing the leadership um, specialist role, but also really working on our teen program. So you have a great resume just that. Yeah. You know, to be <laughs> yeah. Director. yeah, I feel like it's it's all helped. Every every position that I've held outside of Fullerton or here um, as a community organizer has helped me now as a director. So let's take a look into this other room right here. Sure. Um, if you could explain for us what's in here. Yeah, the first step, it's all about Posada. It's all about the rich history, all his work. The famous um, Caterina, that everyone calls her Caterina, is in that poster over there. But he named her La Pelona because, you know, she's a, she's a skull, she's um, bald. But as you come in, there's a couple of um, contemporary artists that are here. One of them is Jose Lozano, who's from Fullerton, he's above in the game area. But his part is right in front of the museum. That was just placed there not too long ago, a few months ago. And he's going to be uh, contributing a mural for our next exhibit, which is called Fullerton Art Town. Okay. But once you walk in through here, it's all about the um, contemporary artists that we, along with um, Consuelo Flores and Rodrigo Maldonado, who is the original curator, and I bringing all of these artists together. So this artist is from Mexico City, um, and he created several of these pieces uh, for the museum. And this dress is from Breath of Fire Latina Theater Ensemble, um, one of their founding um, members, Gina Davidson, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but her dress is still used at Noche de Altares, Day of the Dead event, and also, um, right before the pandemic during the at a Pacific Symphony um, performance that Sarah Guerrero wrote. Um, another favorite of students is Lalo Alcaraz, who just won the Herblock um, Award and was at the Library of Congress um, accepting it for these three pieces along with some others in his portfolio. So we're really excited for him. He was here last Saturday. It was a very well-attended event and um, we're really grateful and honored to carry his work. And then this beautiful piece, which I love, it is at the center, the heart of our gallery, is of Jose um, Guadalupe Posada, and it was painted by Jose Antonio Aguirre, who also did the large calaveras in the back. So let's take a look at the large Right before we get to that, um, part of our show, we're in collaboration with Self-Help Graphics, who, um, um, allowed us to use these pieces um, and we wanted to focus on Dia de los Muertos because he is such a big influence on Day of the Dead, what we have and celebrate now. So each um, poster is from a year that they had it. They've had it for over 50 years, but you could see him in one of the posters over here celebrating um, his anniversary. Um, but we have several wonderful um, significant artists like Melanie Cervantes, over here, um, Sonia uh, Romero is going to be at one of our um, upcoming events, for our closing events. We're going to have a panel uh, of hers, um, along with Ophelia Esparza, uh, Rosanna Esparza, um, and Jackie. Ophelia is well known. She's um, Chicana Latino royalty. She creates Day of the Dead altars. She just celebrated her 90th birthday, and she will also be here, part of the panel for our closing event, our artist in focus talk. So 
We're excited about that. And then Gronk was an artist from the 70s who started a group. Um, they're going to be, I think, making a movie about him. But lots of significant artists work. Again, on this other side, we have Esther Hernandez with Sunlight Raisins, a really significant piece. Um, we have students here. <laughs> so we had to cover, cover up some of the pieces. <laughs> and The Grateful Dead, some of their album covers. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that Center went through quite a bit because of it in the pandemic. Could you talk a little bit more about how you guys persisted despite of that? Yeah, so as museums, we book shows years in advance. This show was booked six years ago. Um, so we lost a lot of um, time and money um, because they didn't have access to our records, because they didn't have access to the building. But with um, our board, it has been very active. Um, they've been meeting um, quite a lot more than a typical board would. They're basically, um, um, they've been trying to, um, they've been working on a relationship with the city of still having them have a presence, having them um, support us. Um, we went from receiving $600,000 a year um, in support, and that was part of um, employees that they would help cover and so forth. Um, and the grant that they gave us, or the money that they gave us for this past year was 100000 So we went from having a staff of like six to seven full-time, 13 part-time. We're running um, almost the same amount of programming with one full-time staff and five part-time staff. Wow, that is a massive so increase. It's a massive increase, but I'm pretty proud of ourselves that we're being able to do a lot with very little. We have received some grants and some really great donations. We weren't going to bring back our membership until April, but people kept asking for it. Our community has been very supportive, um, but we want to see how can we sustain this? How can we increase our staff? How can we, if we can do all of this with just a little bit of money and stuff, what else can we do with more money and more staff? Um, and it's all about the community and the city that we serve. All right, so we just look at the um, Guadalupe exhibition mm -hmm. here. Um, and this, I believe, is the Leo Fender exhibition. So could yes. you show us around here a little bit more? Sure. Um, so this has been up. Usually our Leo Fender, our exhibits are up for two to three years. Again, because of the pandemic, we've extended it. Um, we are um, going to bring in a new exhibit for um, December 2023. It's the 30th anniversary of our first exhibit on Fender. So we're really excited about that. More details to come, but um, someone who used to be a part of the Museum Rich History will be helping us with that. Um, but this exhibit um, I love because we get a, a lot of people when they're visiting um, the museum, oh, um, and they know about our Fender exhibit. They mention how their mom or their dad or their cousin or they worked at the Leo Fender factory. So this show it, um, is dedicated to the workers, to, this, um, to the people who work behind the scenes of the famous guitar. So we have multiple um, videos, interviews that um, we put that uh, are put together of people who have worked for you know, decades you know, at, the, at the Fender exhibit. And there's a long list. We have four different um, tablets, and you could choose from um, researching, like, you know, this history. 
and then little pictures and mementos. Kelly Chinister was the one that um, put this show together for us a few years ago, who was the curator at the museum. She's now the executive director at Museo. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so the two people who were, who were laid off are now executive directors at museums, so that worked out for us. <laughs> um, again, more um, uh, mementos, and then um, all these guitars are on loan from um, different people, just kind of highlighting the type of work, you know, the Fender banjo, the um, uh, the Wildwood one at Cardinal, and this was um, courtesy of Arliss McMinn. But we have um, a really great, it, it never fails that once we're in the install, we're installing because we closed this show, that the Fender fans and Fender people still want to come in. So we do whatever we can to, um, to open up our gallery. It's a small exhibit, but a very powerful one. So we're excited about the new show. Mm -hmm. So what kind of work do you do, like artistic work do you do personally? What kind of artistic work do I do personally? Okay. So aside from this, <laughs> I'm also a writer, director, and a producer and filmmaker. Um, I, I'm a poet and playwright, so um, I, I'm also a teaching artist. So aside from this, I teach creative writing classes. I have a group called Rio de Mi Vida um, and Casa Artista, and it's teaching um, anyone at all levels how to write their personal stories and it's cut up into four pieces where they write about their past, present, future and we incorporated a new section called Roots. So they go into like their ancestors and their elders stories. It's very powerful. I've worked with, you know, hundreds of students. Um, I teach that with my creative partners, um, Angela Estela and Guido Mendoza. Um, I'm also a playwright. I've worked with Chicanas, Cholas and Chismen, East LA, Casa 0101 Theater, um, with Teatro Frida Kahlo. I've written over a dozen plays, uh, but my playwriting started, um, although I worked, I was a board member of Breath of Fire Latina Theater Ensemble a decade ago, I didn't really start writing plays until I went to Fullerton College and took a class. I took a year of creative writing and Chicano Latino classes just for fun, <laughs> like seven years ago. And um, um, Bill Mittler taught the class, and I just fell in love. So my first play, Sala de Morigera, was written there. And where can people find you if they want to take note of your classes? Sure. I'm at aliasasana.com. Um, I moved away from playwriting and producing plays, and now I'm doing filmmaking. Um, so uh, my first film, Manitas, has won several awards. It's, it was part of like 12 festivals. I'll be filming my next short film um, in El Paso, Texas, where my family's from, this June. So I keep myself pretty, pretty busy. This Saturday, I'll be teaching a creative writing class in Anaheim um, for a nonprofit. So, um, so aside from here, when I'm not here, I'm out there because um, it balances me. This is this is my work, and it keeps me my artistic soul fed. But I'm also first and foremost, a poet and a writer as well. So you try to balance all I that. try to balance it out. It balances me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's very healthy. So we can now maybe look at some of the other places there. Um, sure. So the students love this section too because the group's name or the artist, um, his artist's name is Chingaderas. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a Spanish bad word. Right. So they're like, what are, what are they called again? What are they called again? 
But I love his work. So um, this is an artist that I discovered in El Paso um, on one of my uh, writing retreats. And I, I really loved um, his use of, of color, but also um, what he says is that they're like alibrijes, which if you saw the movie Coco, they're the, like the pepita, the magical creatures that can go in and out of um, the world. And so um, he made this one um, special for the, the museum. Um, some of these pieces, along with the wood carvings, will be um, silent auctioned off at our closing event. Um, and then these photos are from a fossil um, by his wife and partner, again, um, showing how these spirits can move in and out of our world. Yeah, and then we have um, a clip of a documentary on Posada here, and then also an animation. Um, and it's about four or five minutes long, so there's a little bit of, of everything um, for people who come down. This is one of the most popular shows that we've um, ever had at the museum. Um, and so we're, we're really um, grateful for the Posada Foundation and the Lucas uh, Museum for lending us this exhibit. What I'm trying to do is, what can we do with the small stuff that we have that can pack a punch, you know? Mm -hmm. um, we do an opening, but this has been such a significant show and such a community um, show that I wanted, I want to start doing closing events where we can invite the community out, where people can enjoy the artwork one more time. We're going to have a band out in the, on Wilshire, we're closing down Wilshire. So it's kind of like a block party, right. you know, yeah. at the museum, in front of the museum. I love the plaza, but I also want to experiment of doing events just right here, right at, right in front of our, our, our beautiful historic building. Um, we're going to have different vendors and artists come out. Um, we'll have our beer garden, of course. But most importantly, we just really want to celebrate the artists, um, all the artists, but um, really pack a punch with the closing of this, this wonderful show. This is on May 14th, right? May 14th, Saturday from 12 to 4 p.m. And then your last chance to see it is Sunday, um, May 15th. And then right after we close at 4 p.m., our staff is going to start to deinstall because we have three weeks for our next show, which is Fullerton Art Town, which we're really excited about. That's another community, um, everyone's involved um, show. We have a um, call out to artists. We've received 54 submissions already. There's still like four or five days to submit. Um, so we're really excited about that show. Right. So thank you so much for explaining all the exhibitions for us. Alrighty, that is the end of today's podcast. Fullertonians, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Fullerton Observer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with the latest Fullerton news. Full-length stories of all our headlines are available on the Fullerton Observer website, or you can subscribe to the print edition that gets mailed to your home every two weeks. You can also donate to support local journalism on our website. The journalists behind our headline stories are Jesse Latour, Arush Navid, and Lance Langdon. Special thanks to Elvia Rubalcava, director of the Museum Center of Fullerton, for the interview. Adrian Mesa is our editor, Bianca Bravo manages communications, and I'm Arush Navid, your host.